The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Season 2 of Students of Mind, the podcast where we aim to normalize conversations about mental health. Last season, we connected you with experts in the field of mental health to provide an understanding of topics and illnesses that may not have been easily accessible. This season, we will continue our learning journey together by not only speaking to experts, but also by listening to the voices and stories of real people who are living, surviving, and even thriving while also facing challenges with their mental health in their everyday life. This season, we want to hear your stories to get the full truth of what it's like to manage one's mental health and navigate living with mental illness. My name is Jade, and on today's episode, we will be exploring the connection between the gut and the brain. Joining us to explore this topic is Laura Martin, a certified IBS nutrition consultant and founder of Healing to Happy, a holistic gut-brain focused company that helps women suffering from IBS and anxiety. In the second half of the episode, Myself and my partner Zen will sit down to talk about my own journey with anxiety and IBS. I hope by listening to the show, you're able to learn something new and gain some encouragement through hearing our experts and listening to the journeys of our guests. However, this show is not a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have about your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Students of Mind podcast. Today's guest is Laura Martin. Laura is a certified irritable bowel syndrome nutrition consultant and is the founder of Healing to Happy, a gut-brain focused practice that helps women struggling with anxiety and irritable bowel syndrome. After realizing the significance of the connection between the brain and our gut in her own journey, Laura has developed a practice where she shares what she's learned to educate others and helps people heal from IBS symptoms through focusing on the gut-brain connection. Today, Laura will talk about this connection between the gut and the brain and how significant it is to our daily lives, and she will also share a bit of her journey to get to where she is today. Now let's get into the episode. 
So good morning, Laura. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm so excited for this conversation. But before we get into the main topic of today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Yeah, so my name is Laura Patricia Martin. I am the creator and founder of Healing to Happy, which is a luxury IBS anxiety recovery brand. So we focus on courses, we focus on one-to-one consulting, we focus on master classes, things like that that really bring people together um, and specializing in the gut-brain connection, which oftentimes you don't really think about you know, anxiety and gut issues going hand in hand, but they really, really do. And we can't heal one without the other. And from my own trial and error and lessons learned in life, this company kind of, I'm just a conduit of it really. Like it just kind of happened perfectly on time and on accident to then help hundreds of other women around the globe. Great. Yeah. I saw on your website that you talked about your own experience and how that kind of led you to working in this field. So can you talk a little bit about that, just about your experience leading up to starting your practice and going into this area of work? Yeah. So when I was 24, I was at my rock bottom moment. I was in an abusive relationship. I was really not taking care of my body because of that. Um, I had lost my mom unexpectedly at the age of 22. And from there, I just went on a self-sabotaging journey. Um, I went to Asia where I wasn't held responsible for anything that I was doing. And I got to just, you know, I thought I was going to find myself. But when broken, when you're broken in such a way, like it doesn't matter where you live, you're going to, you're going to attract what your energy level is at. And I did just that. And through that, I, took it out on food and exercise. So in drugs and drinking and things like that. But big thing for me was food. Because if I was obsessing about diets and exercise and getting my body to look a certain way and, you know, obsessing about how much food I was or wasn't eating or what types of foods I was or wasn't eating, I didn't have to focus about the trauma that was happening at home. You know, it kept me so far out of my body and where my life was at that eventually at 24, I was sitting on a balcony and it was the hardest thing, just, you know, tunnel vision, bad thoughts, sitting there being like, I have two options right now. I either continue with what I'm doing and that's not going to end up very well. Or I take radical responsibility for my life and I start putting one foot in front of the other and I choose to live. I chose the latter. And for me, my way out of where I was, was understanding nutrition. I sat in a cafe with one of my dear friends and she said, Hey, I was like, what am I doing? Like at the time I was teaching English in Bangkok, Thailand. Like, what the heck am I doing here? Like, what, what? (laughs) Like, I'm not a teacher. Um, And I was sitting there and she's like, well, you know, you have a real big obsession with food. Why don't you go like learn about it? You know, why don't you go understand this fear that you have? Because I did the same thing when in college and university, I studied psychology because I was diagnosed with depression. I was like, I want to learn about my brain. I want to make peace with the enemy. And she knew that story. So she's like, why not go make peace with your other enemy? And so I went back and I studied nutrition and this whole thing. And as I was studying these theories and these methods, 
my health was not getting better. Like I became orthorexic and very obsessed with needing to get my diet right and trying to fix my gut health because I was only going to the bathroom, you know, once a week I had hyperthyroidism, then hypothyroidism. I hadn't had a cycle. And at that time, three years that went on for five years, my hair was falling out in chunks so much that my landlord thought I had a dog. Um, my mood like were all over the board. Like just having constant panic attacks, having suicidal thoughts, having this whole thing happen. And I was so confused in the time, right? Like I was just like desperate for answers and it was good intention, the route that I went and I got specialized in gut health and did that whole thing. Um, but everything I found was about restrictions and eliminations. And it was about cutting out certain food groups and going, you know, either like raw plant-based or carnivore or going vegan or gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, lectin-free. And I had spent a decade of my life recovering from an eating disorder, a decade plus, right? Like I, it was since I was 13 years old. So it's like, I'm self-aware enough at this point to be like, that's not going to work for me. You know, like I'm, it, that's like saying like someone in AA go to a bar. Like, it's like, I'm not going to do that to myself. And so, but I wanted to still heal my body. And so I was in and out of naturopaths office. I was in and out of doctors. Like I had a whole team of healers at this, plus my own studies, right? Like I was like, what am I, is this not working? I'm studying it. Like what the heck? Um, and it was one of those moments I was sitting in my naturopath's office and like those moments where your heart is just like, so like I'm losing hope please help me. Like, I'm so tired and like, I'm doing this out of good intention, but what the heck? And she's like, do you want to talk about how your depression is linked to your IBS and all of your other health issues? And I was like, no, I don't want to talk about that. Like I, like still at that point in my time, I was like, I'm not ready to face my trauma and things like that. So I went home, did a candida cleanse, went on all these other diets. Like it was a hot mess. Again, like lessons learned on this. And as I started to evolve, like when someone plants a seed and that's what I try and hope and do with like these podcasts and stuff is like plant the seed of that. Like when she's like, do you want to talk about that? And I'm like, mm. and then finally, like after I've exhausted all my options, I'm like, y'all, like I've done everything else other than this, you know? And it led me to all these studies and really understanding, like challenging the beliefs that I learned was learning in school. Cause it was like, well, you know, my doctors are telling me this is something I'm stuck with forever, right? Like IBS is just, it's uncurable. You're stuck with it forever. Hypothyroidism runs in your family. You're stuck with that forever. Hormonal imbalances and infertility runs in your family. So you're stuck with that forever. Um, depression, your mom, all this stuff, like you're stuck with it forever. And I'm like sitting in school though. And I'm like, but epigenetics, like I'm learning about epigenetics, which means like we control our genes. Yes, we have the disposition, but we control it through our lifestyle and we can turn that light switch off or on, which means I can turn this off. And then we're learning about the microbiome where it takes within 72 hours, you can start to repair your gut because of the good bacteria eats the bad bacteria. And then I'm learning about neuroplasticity where we can change the firing and wiring in our brain. So I sat there and I'm like, hold on, like, hold on. Like my professors and I'm learning these things, but yet they're still saying these kind of things. And then, you know, my doctors are telling me I'm stuck with it. And I was like, let's put those pieces together. Like, let me lean in and do the work of what I'm not hearing. And I'm going to be my own guinea pig and I'm going to do things along the way. And there's a lot of lessons learned in that. And, you know, I wish I had my programs that I have now, but like, I'm able to come and people saw what I was doing because they saw the lifestyle I was living, which was super toxic, super just 
like if you, if anyone knew me three years ago and never listened to these things, they're probably like, who the heck are you? Like what? Or like five years ago, like what? Um, and they saw me changing my life. And then slowly people were like, can I pay you? Can I learn? And I was like, I mean, yes. <laughs> like, why would I turn that down? And from there, um, it kind of just has been growing itself. You know, like I'm a conduit of it, like I said, and, you know, speaking on panels around Asia and now thanks to the internet around the world, like running programs to help hundreds of women. It's like, that was never the intention. It was only, I wanted to save my own life. You know, like at that moment when I was 24 on that balcony, like I just wanted to save my own life. And now, because I've been able to do that and I'm now in like looking at my life in hindsight being like, I remember that moment sitting there, like how, how the heck am I going to get there? Like, I don't, I don't know how the heck I'm going to get there. And now I'm sitting at my life in my beautiful home with a partner I'm like so wildly in love with, with friends and sisters and my body. And like, I have no health issues anymore. And it's like, how the heck did I get here? Like, what the heck? Like, it's one of those things. And now it's just like my mission to help everyone feel this way because we're often told we're stuck, we're broken and there's no way out. And it's just not true. Yeah, that's amazing. I want to just acknowledge how much courage it takes to kind of like, because I feel like you had to like pull so much information from so many different places to learn about what you needed to do to make yourself feel better that you like kind of created a job for yourself. (laughs) And I think that there's so many barriers for so many people to get to where you were able to get to. And so the fact that now you are able to share all of this information with people is amazing because I like, I don't think, I still don't think I've had a provider tell me that gut health and brain health are connected. Like, I don't think I've had someone explicitly say that to me. And so, but I know that that is so connected and it's so important to acknowledge and tend to that connection. But there's so many people not hearing that and who may never hear that, but having your resource, especially since it's online, which makes it very accessible. I'm just so excited, <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> that it's available and, and I can share it for people to start realizing that this is something that could be contributing to a lot of the things that go on in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to do that. (laughs) So let's dive more into the brain gut connection. Um, because again, we, like we know about these things, but I want to teach my audience about this. So can you talk about how are digestive health and mental health connected? And you talked a little bit about specifically anxiety and gut health. So can you talk about that connection as well? Yeah. So if anyone's ever felt butterflies in their stomach, you know, or before a date, you get like super gassy. I'm like, or a lot of my clients before they go grocery shopping, because they're like anxious about picking out foods or like going out to eat and they're worrying about stuff. Like you feel it. You know, when you feel anxiety, where do you feel it in your body in the first place? It's like the heart usually, but then it's like, ooh, my belly. Like it's it's one of those things. And when that's happening, it's because of this system called the enteric nervous system. So our gut, maybe you've heard of it, is called our second brain, right? And there's there's multiple reasons why this one to start out with is it runs entirely on its own through that system. There's this long cranial nerve, our longest 
nerve in our body goes from our brainstem to our gut, and it gives off these things called the action potentials. So you don't have to tell your lungs to breathe, your food to digest, your heart to beat, your brain to do its thing. Like it just does it entirely on its own. So that's one reason. Another reason our gut, like it controls every single thing about us, you know, father modern medicine, all disease begins in the gut. Like that's been the jam for how many freaking decades? Like it's, it's been a thing. Um, and then also we have as many neurotransmitters in our gut as our brain. The thing about the internet world, and you can tell like I've been in this world for a long, long time, and but gut health is just getting sexy, especially over the last like two years. Um, and there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to, you know, serotonin being in our gut, you know, our happy hormone, dopamine, GABA, norepinephrine, like these things are housed in our gut, but they do not break the blood brain barrier. A lot of people are like, oh yeah, like if I eat tryptophan, it'll spike up my serotonin in my gut and then my brain's going to be, that's not necessarily how it works. The way it works is it's all connected. The serotonin in our gut is actually a stressor, which is why a lot of people, when you have IBS, you'll get prescribed an SSRI. They're trying to slow or speed up the serotonin reuptake that's in your gut. And so you'll often see people that have, because of this cranial nerve, often people that have anxiety are often dealing with bloating, cramping, right? Because when we are in this fight or flight, which is what's happening when we have anxiety, we're you feel it, right? You feel it in your heart. You feel your muscles tense. Like your brain starts to get a little scattered because your blood flow is going there. It is not going to your digestion because back in the day when we were stressed and there's a saber-toothed tiger coming after us, we don't need to digest food and we don't need to make babies. That's why they go hand in hand. Those things shut down when we have anxiety. Um, And then alternatively, when we have low neurotransmitters in our brain, depression, we have low neurotransmitters in our gut constipation, which is what I had. And then it, it switched in between because actually I realized my depression was anxiety induced depression. And so then I got IBS M, which is the mix between the two based off of my emotional state. And so how we support our mental health through our gut is by understanding that more so it's certain vitamins and minerals that actually replenish other organs in our body. So the reason our gut isn't working is because a hypersensitivity, right? Like somewhere, somewhere in our body has inflammation. It's not the food that we're eating. It's not any, like, this is why I don't do food sensitivity kits. This is why I don't believe in any of that stuff. It's just food isn't the issue when it comes to IBS. It's an overactive nervous system. All of the studies show that it's, it's people that eat the same foods, ones that have IBS, ones don't, they have the same reaction to foods, but it's because those with IBS have a hypersensitivity, which means they have a heightened nervous system. They feel it more, but the gases in the offsets of foods still happen. It's just, we feel them more. So we have to tap into the nervous system. Like, why are we hypersensitive? What's going on here? We got to start focusing on, okay, that has more to do with the adrenals. That has more to do with, you know, why did bile stop getting produced by our liver and our pancreas and our gallbladder. Like what's going on there? We have to look at like our internal thermostat, which is like our thyroid health. And these things alternatively help put the fire out in our brain because anxiety and depression are just symptoms. Like they are not something that just because quote unquote, our parents have it or things like that, that's not true. It's just, you're brought up in an environment, there's emotional things, there's things like that. And things are firing differently, sure. But you can fix that right? We have neuroplasticity. We have usually what's happening in these states of mind is we're overriding our nervous system. So the right minerals and the right vitamins aren't getting absorbed in the gut. And so they're definitely not going to our body. And so our body is just being like, 
please. Like, I'm just hungry. I'm just, I'm thirsty. I need more rest. Like, that's all that stuff is. And if we slow down a bit, we're able to, I'm not saying it goes away. I still have anxiety. I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I, I thrive on anxiety. Like, that is how I get things done. But like, I don't have panic attacks. It's not in the way that it takes over my life anymore. I literally don't have any IBS stuff. I mean, like, yesterday I was bloated, but that's because I drank a smoothie way too quickly. Like it's not in the way that it was anymore, but things still happen. Just it's not into the extremes anymore. You know, like life is still allowed to unfold as it does. But once we understand what's going on, we stop fearing it so much. We stop overanalyzing it. We stop limiting the life that we're supposed to be living because we're not obsessing about the thoughts in our body and the things that are going on. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I think for me particularly, and I know for a lot of people who have histories of eating disorders. Um, A lot of us have so many gastrointestinal issues as a result of it from so much restricting or overeating or uh, self-induced vomiting or other types of purging. Um, But then we go to a doctor and they say that we need to change the way we eat in order to fix our gut health. And then for someone with an eating disorder, that's like a recipe for a disaster. So I really love the idea that you're tweaking other things, things other than food to improve gut health, because that also helps switch the narrative around health and and weight and size and food being directly connected. Yeah. And that and that's the thing, right? Oftentimes, anytime you Google what the heck's wrong with me, it's always eliminate these foods. Mm-hmm. which for anyone that has an eating disorder or disordered relationship with food, we jump in with that and we're like, yes, perfect. I can do that. Like we use that as like a thing when really you're looking at it and you're like, I'm fasting. And you're like, honey, you're fasting for 20 hours eating disorder. And it's like, it just gives you another excuse, you know? And that's why you have to do the work align with someone that does know the eating disorder recovery field, specialists in that. Like, is that something you got to work on on your own? Which is why like in the bottom of healing to happy, like our symbol is a triangle. The base is mindset because I can give you all the lifestyle and nutrition tips. It doesn't matter, right? Like if you don't have a normal relationship with your body and mind you, I'm never going to have one. Like that's the thing is like, you don't recover from that. You have to be able to sit there and be like, that's my illness talking, you know? And like, it'll creep up. It does. It's just, it doesn't have any more weight anymore. And I wasn't seeing that in this industry because it's always don't eat this fear gluten fear dairy, fear the stuff. And it's like, but isn't my body supposed to be able to digest these things? Like, I know I did damage and I know a lot of women, they'll sit there and be like, well, like I did that for so long. How am I going to heal now? Like, how do I repair that? And that's where like, when I started to learn about the microbiome and the gut and, you know, leaky gut and permeability and things like that. And it being like 72 hours, I'm like, wait a second, stop telling me I'm stuck with this stuff. Like you were just painting this picture into my brain to make me so afraid of healing. And I don't understand that. You know, it's one of those things that we have to be an advocate. We have to sit there and be like, don't be afraid to question things. Don't be afraid that like, if it feels crunchy, there's a reason it feels crunchy. Like ask the question. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I love that. Cause I think (laughs) we hear like, especially like chronic and we're like, oh my goodness, (laughs) that is something I can never, I can't do anything about it. It's like a death sentence. Um, And so knowing that we have power, especially in like doctor's offices or around people who are 
supposedly experts of our bodies, um, I think it's very important to start empowering people to advocate for themselves in these settings because I think it's unrealistic to expect everyone to have the same symptoms or experience health-wise. And in order to kind of break that barrier, I think it's necessary for people to start speaking up for themselves. So I love that you're also empowering people to uh, advocate for themselves through your work as well. So So I want to talk a little bit more about IBS specifically, because I think a lot of people could be experiencing it, but not realizing it, because I know that was my experience. So can you talk about IBS and the ways that it shows up and maybe like some of the ways that it shows up that some people might not realize is like related to gut health? Yeah. So IBS is when it's in a chronic state. So IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, irritable, something's upset bowel and your colon syndrome chronically. And we often, what we need to do, we have to go through protocols of figuring out, making sure it's not, you know, parasites, yeast, SIBO, Crohn's, like we got to go through the test. You're going to have scopes in funny places. That's just the way it goes because your gut is responsible for every single thing about you. You do not want to mess around when it comes to that. You don't want to just jump into a candida cleanse just because you read it on the internet and it's like super hot on TikTok right now. Like you don't want to do this parasite. Like you are doing so much more damage if you do that. Go to a doctor, get your test, make it a priority because you treat yourself like someone you love. Like that needs to be the anthem that you sing to yourself. You treat yourself like someone you love, go to the doctor, get that done. And then you usually will go through, you don't have anything wrong with you. They're like, oh, your blood works fine. There's nothing. And then they sit there and they're like, well, here's IBS. And it's like the running joke that IBS is just BS because it's, we don't know what's wrong with you. Like you're just in pain and you have weird things happening in your gut and here's how it is. And so for people that don't know that they have it, you would know it's, it's a chronic state of you being overly bloated all the time you wake up and like you have a morsel of air and like (laughs) your body is just like swelling. You have a laundry list of food sensitivities and you don't know why. Um, you have hormonal imbalances, like your PMS is just like crippling. Like ladies, I want to make this a point. We are not supposed to be crippled because of our PMS. Like I literally, this took me, I am now coming up. It's been like seven and a half years to finally get my cycle back. And this is my third 28 day cycle. And I was so surprised by how seamless it was. Like, yes, I was tired, but I was like, I don't have any cramping. I don't have anything. When like the first period I ever had, I had a migraine. I was crippled. Like it was this whole thing because I hadn't had one in five years. Like it was bananas. Anyways, I digress. Um, but you'll, you'll be pooping all the time or you won't be pooping at all. And for anyone that wants to talk poop, you're supposed to poop within an hour of waking. It's supposed to be like a banana. It's supposed to be quick, efficient out of your body and float a little then sink. Like that's it. Um, we don't need coffee. It, we don't need, you know, we should be going one to three times a day. No more, no less. Like you go to the doctor and they're like, you're fine. As long as it's three times a week. And it's like, what? I eat three times a day. Like I am supposed to eliminate that. That, that doesn't even make sense. Or if it's like mushy, just like pudding kind of texture, like you're, it's too quick transit time. And we got to bulk some things up and we got to experiment of different types of fibers in that kind of situation and really what's going on there. Um, what else? Skin flare ups. Like that's a really big thing. Our skin is our last organ of detoxification. So if you have something wrong with your skin somewhere, something in your 
organs of elimination isn't functioning optimally. That doesn't necessarily mean IBS, um, but there is leaky gut occurring there. Um, GERD, acid reflux, that would be IBS symptoms. Um, I mean, just if your body is being like, excuse me, miss, pay attention to me, you can root it back to your gut. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I think the skin part is something that I, I like to point out too, because that's something that I realized, I didn't even realize it was connected until it started clearing up when I started, um, getting more um like enzymes and probiotics and stuff and i was like wow that was like directly connected so that's something i always like to mention is uh your skin can also be an indicator that something funky is going on with your gut or with your anxiety yeah i mean even when you look at your skin you can tell women where it's like the bags under their eyes like even dark circles are mineral depletion like it doesn't have to necessarily be like acne and pimples it's just like distortion and like colors or like inflammation like your skin is this thing that like you just look at it and it's like you can tell if someone has this like natural healthy glow or like it's like your body's a little hungry, like it needs something, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. So with IBS, I know um, in my experience, sometimes it's like trying to figure out what comes first, chicken or the egg, like I get anxious and then my stomach or is it my stomach and then I get anxious. Um, But I, I know that with chronic stomach issues, it can come with a lot of anxiety and just a lot of like stress. So can you talk about that? Just kind of like the stress and mental health implications that kind of come with dealing with these chronic gut issues? Yeah. So food sensitivities, you know, that, that is the name of the freaking game. And that is such a business right now. It makes me sick to my stomach because people are trying to market off of people's pain. I don't agree with them. If anyone ever comes over my page, you are going to hear me talk about how I hate food sensitivity kits so much. And I think they're trash because that's exactly what happened to me. I had a laundry list of foods that I could not eat. I had eliminated 13 different food groups, not just foods, food groups. And I was only eating smoothies and soups. Like I was, it's so silly because you go in thinking this is going to help you, but it gives you all these red foods. And all of a sudden you're like, that is literally everything I eat. What the heck? And then you have this food fear and we cling to them because quote unquote science, but really what's happening there, we have, we get confused between an allergy and a sensitivity. First off, an allergy is a thing when you need an EpiPen, that's an immune response, right? Like when someone looks at a peanut and they flare up, like that is an allergy when someone has celiac, right? Their muscles shut down, they're tight, like it's instant. A food sensitivity is an IgE response. And so that is normal. A normal body you're turning food to fuel. Of course your body is going to be like, this takes energy. Let me break this down in your GI tract because that's where this is getting tested. This is happening in your GI tract. And it's like, okay. And so you break that all. Like, if you actually understand that part, that's normal. And the reason all the foods that you're commonly eating show up on those tests is because you, you already know that you have leaky gut. Like you wouldn't have food sensitivities if you didn't have leaky gut. The thing isn't to then eliminate those foods the thing is to look at why am I sensitive to these foods? What happened? Why is my metabolism not like oftentimes when we think of metabolism, we're thinking of skinny people and you know, oh, they have just high up. That's, that's not it. Our metabolism is the internal temperature inside of our body regulated by our thyroid. 
and adrenals and things like that, that actually keep our temperature of our body hot so that we can actually break down food in the right way. And oftentimes people's temperatures and pulses are too low, which indicates metabolism being slow. It's not about the size of your body. It's what your body is doing with the food and absorbing it. And so these food sensitivity kits will sit there and then you look at them and you're like, now what? You know, and the thing that breaks my heart the most is most women will do exactly what I did is they'll get the list and be like, okay, I'm dedicated. I'm de- like, I know this sucks, but I'm dedicated. And then they go in for two weeks and then all of a sudden a birthday happens or it's summertime or it's the holidays or there's a barbecue or they want to celebrate something and they go off track. And then they come back and their shadow sister comes in and it's yelling at them, saying they're not disciplined, saying you can't stick to anything. And usually then they'll book in a call with me, right? And then they come in and they go, okay, so I just, what do I need to eliminate more? I'm doing, I'm doing all this stuff. Like I just need to be more disciplined. I need to be stronger. I, 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 I did this wrong. I did this. And it's like, it is not you. You've been given the wrong tools. You've been tricked. All, all of us have. And that's okay because it's brought you this newfound self-awareness, integration, self-discipline. Sure, it's perfect. But it's not the way, right? The reason you're not getting better is because you're eliminating so many foods that you have no diversity inside of your microbiome. That's like expecting to go to the gym and being able to pick up a 100-pound weight the first day. No. Like you have no diversity. You don't have the digestive enzymes. Anything you put in your body, you're going to feel. You know, that's how that is because we stick to quote unquote our safe foods, but really what that's doing is lowering our digestive fire, which then sets up like this response in our brain. And then it's like this hyper awareness of food and we're stressing out about it. And it's all this kind of stuff. We just get lost in the whole game, you know, because it's again, it's no, it's not your job to understand it's my job to understand digestion. That is literally what I do. But like people don't usually have the time or the space or the energy to learn about this stuff. So they do what every normal person does. We want to diet. We want a quick fix. That's it. But then you're only going to get short lasting results when that happens. Like we have to understand in a simple way how I just explained it in a matter of three minutes. This is what's actually happening with your body. What now? What do we need more of? Not what do we need less of? What do I need more of to replenish the bile in my stomach to get that natural laxative producer going? What do I need to downregulate or upregulate the vagal tone? How do I stimulate that so that my body can actually calm down and digest food? How do I restore my gut lining so it doesn't burn so much? How do I get my adrenals to calm down so I'm not stuck in the state of parasympathetic fight or flight? Like we got to look at the body as a whole, not looking at my laundry list of foods I cannot eat. And, you know, being that person at the restaurant where like now you're deemed as the picky eater, but by your friends and all that kind of stuff, it's like, no, like it really, really does not have to be that way. There are simple ways. There's just, your body is asking you to slow down, you know, and the sooner we sit there at like anytime you get a flare up, like for example, yesterday when my body was just like, excuse me, miss, I'm going to make you very bloated today because you chugged that smoothie like a savage. Like, come on, girlfriend. We know what's up. Like I sat there and I literally like my boyfriend did the same thing. We're just like sitting on the patio. We're like, well, lesson learned. (laughs) We're like sitting there. We're like, this is not fun. Like, this is why we put them in bowls. This is why we slow down. Like, don't, don't do that again. And it was, that was it. Like it was, it's one of those things that we can just be, okay, like this is just information. Like it doesn't mean, it's not my grading score. It's just like, this is information. So stop being a savage and just sit, you know? Yeah, that's great. I And I think that's great too, that you are sharing these things because it, it's great 
modeling for people who are trying to get to the place where you are. Um, and yeah, so just like hearing that you kind of had that conversation with yourself around bloating, like that would have been a completely different conversation with myself if I would have had it. So I can just imagine hearing that a lot, that being really good modeling and reprogramming the ways some of your clients kind of talk to themselves. Yeah. Something I've realized a lot is when it comes to our recovery, the reason we don't try or the reason we get obsessive is because of time. Like we expect this journey because of things like Whole30, because of 21 day detox, because of eight week challenges. We expect to be lean cuisines and fit and, you know, pooping like unicorns in a matter of 20 days. It's like, what? How long has this been a thing? And don't get me wrong, like clients have within three weeks, like it's this magic that happens because your microbiome does change within 72 hours. But we have to stop putting a timestamp on things and being like, the context of my life is health. This has been the biggest, one of the biggest shifts for me, other than, you know, not being at war with my body and treating myself like someone I love, but like health is the context of my life. You know, it, it's not just a 30 day thing. This is a forever thing. So whether I feel lean cuisine right now, or whether I'm eating perfectly or whether I'm traveling a lot and doing the best I can, or whether I'm, you know, want to go have a spicy marg and dance around with my partner, like whatever it is, it fits into the context of my life because that's my umbrella that I am healthy beyond means than I've ever been. And I am, I eat chicken wings when I want and I make salads and I, and I have my green smoothies and I have Lux bagels. Like it's, it's this balance between my life because in the context of the bubble, I'm doing the best I can. And there's no time limit on that, you know, and I'm forever going to be sitting here being like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have that smoothie so fast. Or like, you probably had one too many spicy marks. Like, don't do that. Like it's, it's these things that we got to be able to sit and just be like, yo, but it doesn't ruin the journey. You know, I'm just learning about myself and that's going to change, especially like, you know, when I have babies, when I hit menopause, when I'm, when I'm old and I can't move, like my body's going to forever be doing that. So who do I want to sit next to on that journey? I want to be able to sit there and be like, you silly nugget, like all that kind of stuff and like learning about things. Or do I want to like hear my mother's voice inside of my head being like, do better, go faster, be stronger. Like all the, no, like I choose me. I'm way nicer to me when I do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. And I think that's a great transition into kind of exploring and talking about healing to happy and um, the ways in which you support people through your practice and how you came up with it and and what it looks like today. So yeah, can you just talk about it? Yeah. So how healing the happy was birthed. I love this question. I never get asked this question. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. It was birthed. I like I said in the beginning, like someone was just like, "Hey, I see you getting really healthy from like your party party self. Can I pay you? Can I learn?" And I'm like, "Of course you can." And then from there, it started with panels and different types of things because I was living in Bangkok at the time. It was a super party city; like nothing healthy existed. And so I would just do random free meetups of like, "Who wants to be healthy?" and ask me questions. I'm here for you. Like. I had to figure this out. Let me collapse time for you so you can figure it out and not make as many wild mistakes like I did. Like, let's learn together. Um, And then I went digital because I wanted to expand beyond Asia and things like that. And now a big thing is I want people to know they're not alone. You know, when it comes to mental health specifically, we don't like talking about it. When it comes to poop, we definitely don't like talking about it. 
And so those two things, I realized I never felt like I belonged anywhere, which is why I took it out on food. You know, I've been doing that since I was a kid. You know, I, if, if I felt too many emotions, I stuffed it down. If I, if I needed a release, I got it out. Like it, it was these things my whole life I've been doing. And so if I can create a container of belonging for specifically women in sisterhood, because that is our biggest challenge is other women. Thank you, mother wound um, and healing and doing all that kind of stuff. Things happen at such a rate and it goes beyond just nutrition, right? Like it starts with nutrition because that's what we all love to do because we've all been on a diet since we were like three years old. Um, but we go beyond that where it gets so much, especially when I talk about mental health or I talk about relationships and trauma in that part, or I talk about addiction or I talk, you know, like all these different things, it all comes together. And that's because we free ourselves of the wounds from our nutrition and things like that. So I have my free groups. I have my Instagram where I'm most active. I have I do masterclasses for free every month because when I first started podcasts and YouTube were all I had. And so it's my way of like, of course, like, of course, this is the beauty of learning and getting started. And then for people that want to extend and collapse time on that, I have programs, I have paid trainings, I have, you know, live panels, like there's, there's different ways of whatever level you're at. And then, you know, top it off the one-on-ones. It's like, it just grows and evolves based off of what people need and how I can give back and really what I'm feeling into the energy of where it is. Like when I first started, it was super sciencey, super like, here's the meal plan. This is what we have to follow. And now it's like, no, because I'm not teaching you anything, you know, like I'm not, I can teach you how to cook and then you can eat for a lifetime. Sure. But like, if I'm giving you my one-to-one plan that worked for me, that's not really it. How do you learn to trust you again through these processes? And how do we integrate it? You know, there's enough information out of there. How do we actually integrate that into our lifestyle so that it becomes this non-negotiable? And so I've realized through my methods and stuff, like I teach this free method, F-R-E-E, that can be applied anywhere, right? Like whether it's anxiety, whether it's autoimmunes, whether it's IBS, it's always, whether it's business, right? Like it's foundations. We got to figure out where we're at before we build anything on top of it. Like what are you doing daily? that is impacting whatever it is that you want to fix. And then the cool thing about our body and our mind and our soul and our friendships and our relationship, we can reprogram anything we want. And that's the R. And then we start to explore different options, like make it fun. You know, I, I found out drinking a smoothie at that rate. Don't do that. Like, there we go. Or like, you know, lacking sleep or doing like I have face plans so many times, but instead of getting mad and hearing my mom, I get, you know, compassionate and I, soothe my little sister, you know, like I talk to myself like that. And then eventually we get to our final E where you're sitting. Like I literally last night with my partner, it was like sitting there and we're like, how did we get here? Like, who would have thought, you know, over the evolution of like being trapped by abuse and addiction and things like that, to be sitting in this lovely home with the man that I love doing work that I love and being healthy. And it's just like a natural thought. Like I don't have to think about my life and that's the evolution but that's everything, you know, like it's not just nutrition. It's just our lives. When we look at that, we get the freedom that we're seeking if we do the right steps in the right order at the right time. Wow. That's beautiful. I love that. And I, I, yeah, I'm so excited to send people to your website and to, to share all of this because I think it is all connected. And I think I have loved recently the emergence of more 
practices and just healing modalities that are more holistic and look at the whole person because I think it's kind of ridiculous that that's not like the standard but um, again this is just like hearing that your practice is something that's out there is really encouraging and makes me really hopeful about the way things are going yeah thank you thank you so much (laughs) yeah of course um I did have one more question I just wanted to ask um thinking back to like the beginning of your journey what is one thing that you wish you knew at the beginning that you knew that you now know that you know may have helped you kind of maybe be more motivated or kind of get through a hump that was hard to get through what's like one thing that would have been helpful I'm trying to think of one that's not so cliche. Um, (laughs) But really, it would be just that, like, if you come into these things, whether it is business, whether it is health, whether it's fitness, if you come in with a lack mentality because you're trying to prove and outrun something, you're only going to catch up to yourself. Like, no amount of abs, no amount of crushing as many burpees as you can for a Spartan race, no amount of money. Like, you're going to sit there and you're going to go, crap. I am stuck with me. And it's so much more fun. And it might take more time because I'm not going to lie. Where I am now, having those inner demons and the things, it did put a fire under my butt. But I then hit burnout and I lost a bunch of stuff and really left to someplace. Now, it is so fun. Like the dance and the play and that there's hard work. Don't get me wrong. There's strategy. There's things that still have to come in. But like, It would just be what I always say to my clients is you can't be at war with your body and win and you can't heal a body you fear. Like it's just those things don't go hand in hand. So learn what it means to be you, do the inner work. And from there, it gets to be so much more easier and so much more like fluid and consistent. Great. You have mentioned so many amazing gems, so many resources, so many like little topics that I feel like we could have like gone into a whole episode about. Um, So that being said, what are some ways that myself and my audience can, you know, stay up to date with you and the work that you're doing and get access to any of the resources that you have available and any workshops or classes that you have? Yeah, everything is on Instagram as it is. So (laughs) Patricia Martin is my Instagram handle. Um, or my business one is healing to happy. So you'll either get me or my team, but either way in the bio, you will have, I very happily share everything that I'm doing. So whether it's a masterclass or a program or coaching or like a meetup thing, you will definitely know. And you'll probably get a message from me going, hi, like in your inbox. Um, but yeah, come hang out there and you'll know what's going on.
Hi everyone, it's your host Jade, and I thought that for this episode, instead of going online to try and find someone who deals with IBS and anxiety, it's something that I deal with, so I figured I could talk about my personal experience with it, and I did this before a few episodes ago, and my boyfriend Zen came on to ask questions about my experience, so he's here again today. Hey everybody, it's Zen. Uh, just excited to have this conversation. I mean, we've, we've honestly had this conversation like a million times already, but we're going to have it for you guys so you can learn more about Jade and um you know she's an amazing host but I feel like um y'all would definitely appreciate the show even more than you do if you learn more about her and just the reasons why she you know does these interviews and just learn about her experience because her experience is just as interesting as the people she interviews on this show if not more so I really appreciate that. That made me feel really good. Thank you. That's why she likes me. <laughs> so, how do you want to start? So, just give them a like kind of introduction on what you've gone through when it comes to stomach issues. Also, I'm just going to be like clear everybody. I'm not all like technical with like the terminology and stuff like that. Um so I'm just going to talk how I talk. I think that'll you know, aid to this being a more natural conversation um, and kind of bring out more about Jade's story. So I, I'm sorry if, you know, I say any ignorant stuff. I don't mean it to be, like, harmful to anybody or to disrespect anybody's um, experience. So just, just giving y'all a warning. Um, but, yeah, I think just talk about what you've gone through so far. Um, what you've learned, and then we can kind of have like a little back and forth, and I can ask some questions. Okay, so I have had stomach issues for as long as I can remember. My like first memory is being in elementary school and always going to the nurse because I was nauseous. So like elementary school, like give us a, I know you're not, this is like a joke between us. Jade's memory isn't that amazing. Um, But could you give us like a range of like age when you think that started? So probably around first. Uh, First grade was like. I guess seven, around seven. Like first or second grade. Mm -hmm. First and third grade. Yeah. Yeah, that's. That's my, like, first distinct memory of just, like, having gone to the nurse multiple times, like, in one month. Yeah, at school. Yeah, so that's my first memory with that. But I didn't really address any of my stomach stuff until I was 15. And that was because I somehow got this basically infection in my stomach and it was just it 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 was a lot I couldn't keep food down for probably a month and throwing up terrifies me which we can talk about that a little later 
Um, and you know, I, my diet was at one point like Gatorade and saltines cause that's all I could eat or like some mashed potatoes. And I lost a lot of weight. And since then, my stomach has never been the same. Um, what's interesting to think about though, is right after that summer is when the eating disorder started. So I had that really traumatic infection to my stomach happen, and then I didn't have any recovery time from that. And then I went right into the eating disorder stuff. Yeah, and I I think also just time period-wise, just to kind of get people up to speed on what was also going on, that summer was right after you dropped out of BSA, which is the high school we went to. Um, that's how Jade and I know each other, by the way. And you had, so you had been having a lot of anxiety, like really severe anxiety while you were in high school, which led to you leaving temporarily. Um, and then you came out to Cali and then, you know, you're just kind of doing the homeschool thing and you were just kind of by yourself, but you being by yourself didn't help your anxiety. It wasn't just because of school. Um, so I think it's just interesting that, you know, if we kind of look at things timeline-wise, it's like you're having all of this, you know, mental turmoil, and then you have another big transition, which was moving all the way across the country, um, and then going from an environment where you're surrounded by people to the point where you're overwhelmed to being around nobody at all, which is just, you know, for uh, what you're 15 years old, and then you're a teenager. Like, I, I, something that Jade and I love to kind of just talk about when we just talk about her journey um, in general, and just like both of us and, you know, people we know, is like when we kind of look back at things that we've been through that, you know, kind of resulted in some major change or something major in our lives, it's like you can see all of the things that lead up to or contributed to it being as severe as it was. So in Jade's case, you know, I'm not saying that there wasn't like a physical virus that, but, you know, having all of this stress that's going on around you on top of the, you know, daily anxiety that you've been having for years at this point, um, it just was the perfect storm for you to, you know, get that infection, which lasted, what, like a month? You know, constant throwing up, not eating. Then you go into the eating disorder. Sorry, I just I just had to put that out there because I, I think people really need to, you know, understand that it's like this, this wasn't necessarily random. Um, it was, as I said, the perfect storm for this, so, yeah. Yeah, you've made a lot of good points, and I think that the another thing that contributed to all of this is that I was a dancer, um, and when that infection happened was right when I stopped dancing after I'd been dancing almost every day since I was, like, three years old. And when she says every day... As I said, we went to BSA, Baltimore School for the Arts. I played violin. We 
played a minimum of four hours a day. Uh, thinking back on it, I'm pretty sure it was that much. It was our daily lives. Like they were training us to be professional musicians, professional dancers. So this wasn't like just your regular, oh, you know, we had dance class once a day. No, this was like half of your day was spent tra training at a professional level um, of dance. So Yeah, yeah it, it was definitely a shock to my system because, like you said, half the day was dance. And then I think for me, what was so hard was just the stark contrast of being at school and then being at home alone with my thoughts from Friday night to Monday morning and then having to have that shock to the system from Monday to Friday and then having to do that every single week was just a lot and so yeah like and it's funny like I didn't even make this connection before have like thinking about the the infection being like a result of all of that stuff going on because like we never figured out how I got it like no one else around me had it like I didn't eat anything strange you know so yeah it makes a lot of sense this is funny when when Zen and I talk I often we often one just kind of come to realizations about things in our life but two he and this is something I'm working on he is able to communicate with me the extent of the things that I went through and how severe some of the things that I've been through are actually and I I as a coping mechanism have like built this ability to just not be able to like feel the weight of what I actually went through like it's I I can talk about it all day and be okay but I don't actually think that I am understanding how how bad it is yeah and i think that how your bodies work around around it is just how you feel every day because <laughs> <laughs> let's be real like you still have stomach problems yeah. like we can get into that right now mm -hmm. still have severe anxiety still have severe stomach issues mm -hmm. um you know i just like to when we're talking it's just like jay like this ain't this ain't normal like, that's not something normal. First, the whole situation of us going to BSA, there was only 400 kids in the city who were working that hard when it came to, you know, an art form. Mm -hmm. um, then you, I mean, just as I explained, th there were all of these really just not normal circumstances for a 15-year-old to be going through. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily that you're paying the price later but you know it was just your life right. so y y your body normalizes it mm -hmm. but i think it's really important to kind of realize like no you're not just broken you're not damaged goods it's like if this were to happen to most people their body would have some type of reaction to it whether it affects them to the same level that it affects your daily life it would affect them. I think that in your case, you know, I, it's really important to stress, like, there's not something wrong specifically with you. It's like you had to go through these unfortunate circumstances and this is how it um, ended up. So let's kind of pivot to what you're going through now. Dang, that was, 
a master level segue. I'm going crazy. This is going to be the... See, I, I, I listened to the last interview that I did, and I was like... So I had to... Yeah. Sorry. You can take this out, but... <laughs> okay. Uh, so I... After, um, you know, like the, the main infection that I had, and then going through the eating disorder and having to go through the process of recovery and refeeding and all of that and having like relapsed multiple times in recovery and having to do the refeeding process multiple times. Um, I know you've had a eating disorder um, episode, but I don't know if you like talked about refeeding or just like the eating disorder recovery process. So it might be helpful for people to be informed on what that is. So for me, when I first went to the hospital, I was there because I was anorexic. So basically what they do when you first get to the hospital is they put you on bed rest and then they start the refeeding process, which is basically getting your body used to eating three meals a day um, and getting your stomach used to having that much food in it when you're basically starving yourself and your body goes into that starvation mode like everything shuts down that it feels is not necessary so you have like not just your your stomach but other organs that aren't working properly which is why people have to be in the hospital for refeeding because you don't know what else might be going on and then with refeeding it really depends on the hospital how you know meal plan and stuff but um it's really to stretch your stomach <laughs> because when you starve yourself your stomach shrinks the actual organ shrinks and so the refeeding process helps to stretch your stomach back out so you can hold the amount of food that you need to hold and it's also to get your organs back on track again because I don't remember timeline wise but when you first kind of realize like your eating disorder was taking this massive toll on your body you were told that your heart was like so kind of talk about that yeah so when I first went to the hospital they were very worried just because my vitals were so bad and they were saying I was at risk for cardiac arrest, which that's terrifying to hear. Um, I was numb. <laughs> I mean, during this time, it was hard not to be, but that was that was scary to hear. Um, and it's not just the heart, um, because when you think about food, it's not just giving you energy. It's giving you vitamins, minerals, water. It's giving you all types of stuff and when you starve yourself, you're not just starving yourself of food, you're starving yourself of all those vitamins and all of those other nutrients. So your body starts shutting down, basically. So go into talking about um, recovery, because, you know, with the eating disorder, not only came disordered eating, but also purging. And yeah. Yes, that's that's a really good point because throwing up is very traumatic to the body. A form of purging is self-induced vomiting. Uh, there's other forms of purging. Um, 
so when I first went to the hospital, I had not been purging. Um, and I, you know, went through the whole refeeding process and got discharged, um, and ended up relapsing and having to be admitted to a new hospital and do the refeeding process over again. So my vitals dropped back to being critically low and, um, again, had to whole other deal over again. And that happened probably three or four times within the like two years that I was in intensive treatment. So just to confirm, you went from having a really stressful life, then you had stomach issue, the stomach virus. Then that went into having an eating disorder where your vitals got so low to the point where you were at risk for cardiac arrest. Then you go through the refeeding process to get it so you don't die. Um, and then you go through that how many times? So you go through that three more times, the process of not having, not consuming enough nutrients to the point where you're at risk for basically death. And you do the refeeding process, which is really hard on the body because it's like you're literally going from your stomach being the size of like a plum to however, you know the stomach isn't supposed to be the size of a plum. <laughs> and your stomach does that three times at least. Um, and then I think it was the second hospitalization was when I started purging. And that made things a little bit more dangerous, um, just because when you throw up, you lose a lot of water um, and other vitamins in your body. And then if you're not eating and you're throwing up, it's just like a recipe for a disaster. So yes, uh, I put my body through that um, multiple times and having to recover from that multiple times like physically is tough on the body and I think that now I'm feeling that um because now like the standard is discomfort which sucks um you know before this conversation is the interview I did with Lara and so she talks about the connection between your brain and and your gut and anxiety specifically in your gut and for me that has been like a clear connection for a long time like I know that in elementary school every time I got nauseous was because I was anxious um and like it wasn't just at school like sometimes it would be at home before school I would just feel so sick um yeah and that just happened so much so I think I, st I, I started realizing that, you know, those things from when I was younger was related to my anxiety pretty early on in, like, starting therapy. Probably within the first year of therapy, my, my therapist was like, yeah, that was probably the manifestation of your anxiety. But it was never really addressed any further than that, and... So now I'm kind of just actually starting to address the connection between my anxiety and my stomach stuff 
um, because it is so directly connected. Like, it's, I always say this, it's sometimes, like, trying to play what comes first, the chicken or the egg, because you don't know if, you know, your stomach discomfort is triggering the anxiety or if the anxiety is triggering the stomach discomfort. And for me, that's hard. The chicken and the egg thing when it comes to is it your stomach, you know, hurting or having, you know, you feeling nauseous that is causing the anxiety or is it the anxiety? Because now it's like there's layers to it because not only did you have this as an issue, you know, before the eating disorder stuff, but then you had the virus thing, which was, you know, if you have stomach issues for a month straight, like I remember I used to get sick and and when I was in like middle and high school and I would get like a cough and my cough would be so bad that it would force me to throw up. I don't want to ever go through that again. So when I get like a cough, I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I don't, I don't even have like that. I'm not really that squeamish around like throwing up and stuff like that. But it was just like, that was horrible. Like I went through that for months. I don't want to go through that again. Um, and I know because you're like, you know, a little extra sensitive, it's like, so when you have issues like prolonged issues with your stomach and it's just like not the same as the anxiety related stomach issues, that's another thing that can trigger anxiety. And then you have the eating disorder. So like throwing up, like that whole relationship with purging, it's like, okay, am I throwing up or am I purging? Like, I, I don't even have to go through this stuff to see, like, how how this can just, like, play with your mind and make you feel like you're crazy. Yeah, I, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, no, you pointed out things that I didn't even mention. Like, I, I have always been afraid of throwing up. Like, I hate it so much. It scares me after I throw up I'm like on the ground moaning <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's so awful yeah. and to me that just shows the state I was in when I had my eating disorder right, right. Like, like how deep you had to be in that to as much as bro, like Jade really hates throwing up like <laughs> like when she's sick and she's had like legitimately something bad to eat like we know we had something bad to eat and it's better if you just throw up than continue to let that sit in your stomach. And I got I gotta like like Jade, you feel like you're about to throw up, let yourself throw up. And but for her to hate it that much, but for her to be so deep in the eating disorder that she would still go to those lengths to have some sort of relief. Yeah. And then like now thinking about throwing up and just how, like, yeah, like, he literally need, has to tell me, like, let it come out. It needs to come out. And I think that there, a big part of it is because I feel so guilty every right. time I throw up now because of the purging. Yeah, and I think it also needs to be discussed is just the fact that in eating disorder recovery, whenever you throw up and you legitimately need to throw up or, like, your body just forced you to throw up, there's still going to be a mass amount of guilt because, like, I'm failing. Am I going back into the eating disorder? And then, yeah. It can be easy to feel like 
you are failing at recovery. In my experience with eating disorder recovery, and I think that my recovery journey in the grand scheme of things has been moving pretty quickly, but it's not over at all. Um, and it's something that I have to like work on every day. And I think that's like the meat <laughs> of the recovery is like getting out of the hospital and going into normal life and being an adult and living while also trying to take care of your body, which shouldn't be hard, but it, it is hard. It's hard to take care of your body when you've been told so many different things throughout your life. Like, what you were told throughout your life led up to you having an eating disorder and not even recognizing until you were told by the people in the hospital that what you've been doing up until now endangers your life mm -hmm. and is not based around caring for yourself. So the fact that you're out here in normal life, but carrying around all of these different ways to take care of yourself and how to gauge whether your stomach feeling a certain way is it can just yeah yeah that's like the one of the things that i'm really really struggling with right now is having so many tools after all these years of getting help and getting overwhelmed by the number and not knowing which one is going to work in which scenario um and just like just feeling confused um, because of, you know, where I am in recovery and the level of awareness that I have, but the fact that I still have days where it feels like it's six years ago. So, yeah, that is something that is really hard to tolerate every day because it's like being pulled into two. And it's just, yeah, it's just a crazy thing to have to constantly have to keep it out of your mind because it's always there but it's like I need to move that like aside move all of these things that are like trying to figure themselves out aside so I can be a person and like that's the thing that's hard yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great segue to talk about what you're doing now mm -hmm. um, so kind of give us some insight into you know, what the day-to-day -day looks like, because people don't really talk about that. They talk about how great things are compared to what they've been, but, you know, let's be real about how it is right now and kind of what you're doing to, you know, work on those things. Um, so the eating disorder left me with a lot of fears around food. So one of the main things that I have been working on is figuring out what foods I like and what I don't like, or what I like based on taste, um, and learning what tastes good to me and what doesn't, and just how to enjoy food. Like that's something that I that that I'm definitely working on. Let me be clear, I love food. Like. 
it's been interesting since Jade and I have gotten together because, as I said, I love food. And so it's been kind of difficult for me to wrap my head around Jade telling me, I don't taste anything. It just tastes like mush. It just feels like mush in my mouth. And this is for years. And we've been together for four years now. And, you know, she's just getting to the point where it's like she's starting to eat food because it tastes good. So that's been interesting kind of working around. Yeah, it's... I I also used to gauge what I ate based on what other people ate. And so, yeah, that was just something we definitely had to navigate. But it's... I feel like it has been, like, in this past year that I've started to not feel guilty about saying I like something or saying it tastes good or eating what I perceive as more than you um, during a meal. Like, I used to, you know, make sure I ate less than everyone else, right? So now I'm just starting to be okay. Like, it's okay if I eat more than everyone else. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely something I've noticed. Like, from when we started being together, I kind of had a, from the start of our relationship, you know, when we were dating and when we would eat together, um, being aware, like, oh, like, I finished my plate, and even though she put less on her plate, she's still making sure that she still has a few bites left. Um, but it's cool to see how far you've come um, and, and yeah, and, and just seeing like how far you've come when it comes to, you know, tasting food, ordering food that you enjoy. We went out to um, a date last night and I got some steak and then Jay got this little beef thing. I'm like, yeah, boy, we on the same level, hold up. But you know, that it's just interesting seeing like just the little things. And I'd be lying if I said it still doesn't come up today. That's, that's a fact. A fact. That, that, yeah, yeah, that's that. a fact. Sometimes you still be on that. Yeah. And I I mean, I don't make a big deal out of it now because you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But, um... Yeah, it's, I... Yeah, it's, again, like, having that level of awareness but still being stuck in, in old ways. Mm -hmm. Um... But, yeah, so... Right now... I could be doing better with putting fuel into my body, honestly. But the eating disorder thoughts are not as potent as they used to be, which is wonderful. And then in terms of stomach stuff, so I didn't really say what my stomach issues are. So I know Laura talked about IBS, and that is what I have, even though I was only told that like a f two months ago. Um, when I went to urgent care because I felt like I was dying. Anyway, and so basically what happens with me is I have really severe nausea, really bad stomach pains, uh, sorry for the TMI, but constipation, um, acid reflux, and I go through periods where it happens every single time I eat, and, you know, it's like I go to the gastroenterologist, they tell me to do a liquid diet for a couple days, then slowly introduce foods. That works for a little bit, 
then I just go back to kind of being, you know, nauseous every now and then, probably acid reflux stuff every night, and then another month will come up where I go through a period of really, really bad symptoms. Um, and then again, with heightened anxiety, my stomach issues are worse. Appetite's usually lower. I, um, I also, this is something that I have no idea if anyone else experiences this, Mm. but it's really, really hard. Um, when I get hungry, it hurts really bad and there's a very short window where I'm hungry and I can eat and it won't feel gross. Yeah, yeah so, so like, like to, to explain this for us regular stomach folk, uh, <laughs> I actually don't even have a regular stomach. I got a stomach of steel. But um, it'll be like when you are, when you have not eaten and like, like you've been hungry for like more than five hours type of, stomach pain and your stomach is doing that like real churning and you can hear it's like and then imagine like you've been feeling that level of hunger but it's only like you know maybe you've been hungry for like an hour but then you only have like 30 minutes and if you don't eat after that 30 minute time period she's not even gonna she's either not gonna feel anything or she's gonna feel hunger to the point where she can't eat or what's happened recently is I'll get so hungry, the pain gets so bad that I throw up. And what sucks about that is usually when I throw up, it's on an empty stomach because I haven't eaten in hours. So yes, that's, that's been something that has been really difficult to deal with, especially just as a young person because we're not consistently in the same place at the same time every single day so it's hard to expect to have you know consistent meals and be able to put food in my stomach right when it needs it um so that has definitely been really hard to deal with and really frustrating that I can't or just that I haven't gotten any answers or support around it um which you know again this interview with Laura really opened my eyes and kind of showed me that the relationship between my stomach the IBS and my anxiety is way more important and could be contributing to so much more so I I definitely am like there's definitely a fire under my butt and then the last thing I want to mention about recent stuff is that I have been dealing with a lot of anxiety recently because of a multitude of things. We just moved, uh, some of my treatment stuff got a little weird, and yeah, it's just been a little bit of a chaotic period, and so my anxiety has definitely been heightened. You know, panic attacks have been there. and it's affecting my stomach. And I, I, I think I am in a place where I'm, I can see this period as like, kind of like a, like a case study. So I can feel what I'm feeling right now and really identify the connections between the anxiety and my stomach stuff, and then use this information to be able to support myself 
you know, from now on. When you said case study, you've been like writing this stuff down in journal, so. Yeah, so I do like vlogs for my, like my chest, because when I get anxious recently, I've been getting these really uncomfortable sensations in my chest. And so I've been writing down every time I have them and like the type of sensation. I do always write if it's during a period when I'm hungry or if it's during a period when I'm not hungry or if I just ate or if it's been like hours after a meal um, because that is so indicative of if I'm anxious. Yeah. Like for me, it's not really hangry. It's like anxiety. Like, I don't know what you would call that, but it's yeah. like when, I get, when I'm hungry or when my body feels dysregulated in any way, like even like getting too cold or too hot it's like that flips a switch into like a panic mode for mm-hmm. me yeah. yeah on a positive note ginger tea that helps yoga has been very helpful for me in terms of pooping tmi sorry this <laughs> was the day before <laughs> oh <laughs> but just in general for digestion there's certain yoga practices that can be really helpful and so I definitely utilize those and then I also like I was just saying the ginger tea um, before and sometimes before and after meals um, helps with the discomfort it won't take it away you know but it it'll soothe it um and yeah so right now I'm just taking it day by day and trying to figure out a plan to kind of address these issues since I've never addressed them before. Yeah, Yeah. and And I I think even if you don't come up with a plan, just logging it is going to go miles Mm -hmm. because, you know, all of this, you know, life is complicated. And so logging can kind of provide some sort of narrative to it. Um, It Mm -hmm. kind of helps that those feelings of guilt and those feelings of confusion and hopelessness. So yeah, uh, are there any like ending remarks? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like this was kind of like also a little update on life kind of episode and life recently has has not been easy. Um, It has genuinely taken me taking things moment by moment and not thinking too far ahead of the moment because that's just too overwhelming for me right now. Um, And I have some things in place for myself, um, though, that are, you know, starting to, I feel like are going to eventually help. Um, But I'm definitely going through a bit of a rough period right now. um, And... It just happened to align right with (laughs) this interview, and my stomach is going through a hard time, too. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, that's just how it is right now, and that's just how it is sometimes. And, um, you know, I have Zen. um, We have our cousin, our other roommate. I have my therapist all here to support me. And I have, like you know, myself and the arsenal of tools that I've collected over the years. And even though that gets overwhelming at times, I am grateful that I I 
have those to pull from when I can. So yeah, I like I don't feel great right now, but that's totally okay um, because I know it's not gonna last forever. Like things are already looking like they're about to get better. Yeah, so, so I feel like that's the message with both of these interviews is like really listening to your body can reveal things to you and like I don't know it's just it's just a really good practice and a good skill to be able to listen to your body and then identify what you need which I'm still working on it's great yeah I I think I think that was really what I was trying to put forth because you know as you go through life you're going to constantly come across things that interfere with the current progress that you're making or can, you know, kind of go on top of the things that you're already dealing with and complicate them. Um, And you're going to hear so many, you know, pieces of advice from different people. Um, And they can be right in their own way and they can work for some people. They won't work for others. Um, But the best thing you can do is listen to yourself and your body um, because we are not the same. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this and we will do this more. I want to give a big thank you to Laura for being on this episode. I was so happy when she reached out to me to work on an episode together on this topic because this is something that I've been dealing with for a long time, but I've just recently started to address it and I've also been dealing with some difficult symptoms around it recently. And she reached out to me during a week where I was really struggling with it actually, so the timing was really interesting and I was really excited to have this conversation and bring some awareness to this topic. So I really hope you guys enjoyed it and I really encourage you all to go check out Laura's Instagram and website. There you can get even more information about everything we talked about today because there were a lot of things we talked about that we could have gone further into. So if you would like more information, the links to her website and her Instagram are in the description of this episode. I want to say thank you to Zen for helping me with the second part of this episode. I am hoping that in the future I can do more episodes where I share about my personal mental health journey and what I've been going through recently. As always, links to follow the guests and the students of my team will be in the description of this episode along with any resources that were mentioned in the episode. If you have a chance, please leave a rating and a review for the show. This really helps me get feedback to see if what I'm talking about is resonating with you and it also helps get the podcast and all of the conversations that we have on it into more ears. Thank you again for listening to this episode. I hope you learned something new or resonated with something you heard today, and I will see you next time.
Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.